This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Come on. All right. Come on. Would you put your hands together and welcome Yins? You know, I feel like when, when, when pastors come on stage, they need to have, you know, baseball, they have the little intro music. And I saw the best one the other day, and, and, and this batter come up, and he came out to Baby Shark. And I feel like pastors should sort of have, like, their little intro music as well. Um, so I'm going to think about what mine should be. It's not going to be Baby Shark. I'm sure my kids have an idea of what it should be. Um, not sure it would, it would fit with, with what we're doing here, but um, I'm sure it would be great. Anyways, like Ryan said, I'm Jens. I am incredibly honored to be here today and to share God's word and to share something that God has put on my heart uh, the last many weeks as I've been preparing to uh, uh, do this today. I'm here. My, my wife is here, April. We have three beautiful kids as well. Um, we have a great family. Um, we are special, um, I'd like to say. Uh, I also call us the crazy bunch because that's what we are. We like to have fun, but we also love Jesus and we try to uh, teach that to our kids, um, and I'd like to think that my kids are, are look at me as perfect, and today we're going to be talking about God's perfection, and nothing is more important to me than making sure that my family thinks I'm absolutely perfect. Um, don't always succeed, uh, and a good example of that is not too long ago we had a little leak uh, under one of our bathroom sinks, and I decided, you know, it wasn't like a gushing leak, it wasn't like water was running out into the bathroom, and you know, you know, kids running around screaming, help, 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 drowning. No, it was just a little trickle under the sink. It was enough to where I was concerned that if it continued, then it would ruin the board at the bottom of the cabinet. So I was like, you know what, I can do this. It's just a trickle. I can do this. So I did what we all do. I went to Google because I am not a hands-on guy. I don't do house projects. Uh, when they're on my list to do, they typically stay on there for about a year or two before I get to them. I just kind of hope they go away. You know, I hope that pipes kind of expand by themselves or things just kind of disappear. They don't do that, by the way. They, and I learned that on Google, too. But anyway, so we had this leak, and I decided, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how to do this. So I went to Google University and took my, uh, my bachelorate in uh, plumbing. Uh, that took about 11 minutes, give or take. But, you know, I wanted my Ph.D. as well, so I went to YouTube and, and that was real helpful and got my Ph.D. in plumbing. So I felt very educated at this point. I felt like now I've got this. I can handle this leak. So I went to the garage, picked up the plumbing tools that I had, which isn't much when you're not much of a hands-on guy. So there was a wrench. But the most important tool was the plumber's tape. And now I really felt like a plumber because I had something that said plumber in front of it. So I felt like now I was really authorized and qualified to fix this leak. So with my wrench and my plumber's tape, I walked into the bathroom, and I looked, and I realized, whoa, before I start taking stuff apart, I probably need to shut the water off to this pipe, right? I mean, that, that sounded like probably the smartest thing. So I'm looking at this leak, and I realized that the shutoff for the hot water, which was the part that was leaking, was actually just below where the leak was. So that was a dilemma that Google didn't cover. Uh, so I went back to Google and didn't find a whole lot of help there. But in my wisdom, I thought, you know what? Somewhere down in the basement, there's got to be a shutoff. 
So I go to the, sh- to, to the basement, I'm looking around, and I see a cold water shut off, and I see the whole house shut off. But that's not what I wanted. I didn't want I did just one pipe. That's all. I mean, it wasn't that big of a request. One pipe, one little leak, but I could not find the shut off. So I'm walking around, and I'm like, well, I must have missed something upstairs. So upstairs I go, I look under the sink, it wasn't there. I must have missed something in the basement. So back in the basement I went, it wasn't there. Back upstairs, it wasn't there. And April's on the couch, and she's watching me, like, trek back and forth between the basement and uh, the bathroom sink. And she said, hey, everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I got a little bit of a problem. And she goes, shouldn't you ask somebody for help? And, uh, and I know a couple of guys that are, that are really hands-on. I have a friend, Pete, who's a plumber. I could have called him, but, you know, he owns his business. He's always on the call. He's always busy. I, I would have felt bad about that. And then there's Mark. Um, but then I realized this is the same guy who told a story about him fixing a leak here at church that ended with the words doo-doo shoot. And so I'm not calling the doo-doo shoot guy to come over to help me fix this leak because obviously that's not going to help. And honestly, I felt like this was something I should tackle myself. I mean, it couldn't be that difficult. It was just a little leak. So I'm explaining the problem to April, hoping that she would inspire me or somehow give me an idea that I hadn't thought of. And she didn't. Um, she, her suggestion was we should just turn off the water to the whole house. And so, you know, I look at her and, 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 and I go, but honey, but, and it wasn't like the good but honey. It wasn't like, oh, honey, I love you. It was more like, what are you thinking? Her suggestion, again, was to shut off the water to the whole house, but we have a big water tank, like a hot water tank, and, and there's water in that. And I told her, I said, listen, if, if I shut off the water to the whole house, there's still water in the hot water heater, which means i got to drain it, which means it's got to fill back up. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, cha-ching. But, you know, to her, I said, and that means we don't have hot water for two hours. And she goes, no, if you turn off the whole house, no water's going to come out. I'm like, honey. So we went back and forth for several minutes about this problem, this dilemma, to the point where instead of getting an argument, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I will show you the problem and you'll understand. And I'll prove to you that you were wrong and I was right. And we're back to where we were. So in the basement we go, and even that took it a step further to kind of really explain to her the plumbing system and how it works, you know, and gravity. I think we touched on gravity too for a little bit. And, uh, and she insisted that, you know, shutting off the water to the whole house would fix the problem. So I decided, okay, we're going to entertain this crazy idea of hers. And so I climb up. We have a washer and a dryer that's sitting below the, the main cutoff. And I climb up on there, and I'm thinking the whole time I'm climbing, what a waste of time. I mean, I could be on Google right now figuring out how to really solve this problem. And so I shut off the water to the whole house, and we walk up to the bathroom. And in, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, the easiest way for me to prove it is I'm going to turn on the hot water to the tub because it's the biggest spout in the whole house, which means I can drain the hot water tank faster when her plan doesn't work. And we go back to my plan of just draining the whole hot water heater. And so I go and I grab the hot water side and, and I'm leaning over and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm trying, I can't be too arrogant now when you're right, right? So I'm like, okay, we're going to turn this off and, and we'll prove to her that, you know, I was right, she was wrong. And I turn it on and I turn with a smug on my face. But as I'm turning, I realize that the sound of gushing water is not happening behind me. And that wasn't really part of my plan. So I kind of look back just to make sure, hey, is, is this really happening? And there was no water coming out. 
my brain could not grasp this. Like, Google had not educated me enough to figure out how to do this one. And I felt like the next steps was probably going to be marriage advice on Google. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to apologize. So I turned to April and I went, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, how could you be right? Which in my mind sounded like the absolute perfect apology. She just kind of grinned, smiled, and walked off and walked back to the living room while I was left in the bathroom trying to figure out what just happened. But obviously the hot water wasn't coming out, and her plan had worked. And so I went on, and I fixed the leak. I used my plumber's tape. I used my degree in, in plumbing from Google. And all the time I'm working on this, and I'm thinking, how inadequate am I? Like, I can't even fix a little leak without my wife's help. But I did, I did come back around. I walked in, and I said, April, yeah, you know what? You were right, honey. I, I, somehow your plan worked, and I should have listened to it from the start. I should not have doubted you. And, guys, lesson number one in marriage, just don't doubt your wife. She says something, she's probably right. But anyways, like I said in the beginning, we're going to be talking about perfection today. We're going to be talking about God's perfection and what that really means. And like I said, I am so worried about being perfect to my family that I sometimes forget what God really says about perfection. And most of us, when we hear the word perfection, we think flawless. We think without fault. We think without blemish. And by the way, if there are words that come out weird, it's not that I'm tongue-tied. I am from Europe. Um, so I can speak three languages. So if I say something wrong, I can correct it in three different languages, but it'll still be wrong. Um, also, American sayings are a mystery to me. I've been here for 23 years. I still don't get why it's not two flies with one swat, but, you know, my family has great entertainment out of that. So God's perfection. A few weeks ago, Mark and I were talking, and, and he challenged me to read Matthew 5. Uh, and Matthew 5 is an absolute powerful chapter, and, and, and the verses in there bring so much meaning. And as I'm reading it, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It starts out with that. And how he's preaching, uh, Jesus is preaching, and he's sharing so much valuable information. He's sharing how we're going to be blessed. He's sharing so much information. And I'm reading this, and I'm nodding, and I'm agreeing, and I'm like, yeah, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. Oh, Jesus, God, thank you so much. Thank you for showing me this. Then he gets a little conviction in there about halfway through, and you're like, ooh, that won't hurt. And you're reading it, but it's all good. And then you get to the end. And I got, I got there, and, and, and I was really encouraged. I was, I was really inspired. You know, I felt like God was showing me things. God was opening doors. And then he slammed it shut with the last part. And the last part in Matthew 5, 48, it says, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I had to stop for a second. Because this is Jesus talking. And we know when Jesus talks, he's typically right, even though we don't always want to recognize it. But he's saying, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I read it probably 16 times, and I went back and forth over it, and I thought, how in the world could Jesus stand there and tell us to be as perfect as God? And I, I, was, I, was, I was stumped, I, and I was discouraged a little because, you know, I had just read this beautiful message, and here he is, and he's telling me, hey, be as perfect as God in heaven is perfect. So I thought, well, NLT, let's go to a different translation. I went, to, I went way back because I was like, let's go to the, to, to the first one, right, King James. But in there it just says, be ye perfect. I mean, it still was perfect. So in every translation I looked, it said perfect. And I just, 
I, I couldn't reconcile that in my brain because everything I had learned and everything I had read is we are all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory, right? I mean, that's what he tells us over and over again is, hey, the reason why I came is because you guys are not perfect. And I'm thinking, how can he ask me to be flawless? How can he ask me to be without blemish? He just gave me this beautiful thing about how I'm going to be blessed if I do this or if I follow this. or if I, I mean, so how is he ending with that I am supposed to be perfect? And I reached out to Mark, and I'm like, Mark, this doesn't make any sense to me. And, and Mark does what he does best, and he challenged me. And he said, okay, well, read Hebrews. So I went to Hebrews, and they gave me some explanations about who Jesus was and what he was doing and what he was doing with the disciples. And I started getting a picture of, of something, but I couldn't put it together. So I went back to Mark, and I said, Mark, give me something else. And he goes, okay, well, go back to Genesis, read about Adam and Eve. I went back to Genesis and read about Adam and Eve. And something dawned on me as I was reading about Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve thought they were perfect. Adam and Eve thought they had everything, right? They thought they were complete. They thought they had everything in the world. Until somebody told them, no, you don't. You don't have everything. There's one little part over here that you don't have. You need that. And as soon as they were told they didn't have everything, they believed it and they went for it, right? And they, so they weren't perfect. So I went back to Mark and said, Mark, hmm. Didn't help much. So he continued to challenge me, and I started seeing what I thought was going to be a message. And, and I was going to call it, Now I See the Light. And that changed about a week and a half ago, which that's how God works. Sometimes you think you're going down a path, and he just takes you, and he just hurls you in a whole different direction. But it was a Saturday morning. We had just gotten back from vacation. Um, we went to Denmark, and I had seen you know, beautiful churches I, you know, that weren't used. I'd seen all these things that just, like, my wife sang in a church that was over a 1,000 years old, which nobody apparently had ever done before, and it was, it was beautiful. And I came home. We came home Saturday morning. I'm sitting there, and I'm reading. I'm trying to prepare myself for today. And God said, let's go back to Matthew 548. And I was like, I don't want to go there. I'm not, I don't feel confident that I know what you're meaning yet. And he said, well, I'll show you. So I went back to Matthew 548, and Literally, when I have discussions with God, that's how they go. I just, I just tell him, hey, I don't get this. Like, what, what, are you, what are you saying? I'll be driving in my car, and I'm like, hey, what does this song really mean? But Matthew 5, 48, I went back to, and, and, and there it was again. You are to be perfect, even as the Father in heaven is perfect. And I was like, God, I'm starting to get a picture of who Jesus is and who he mean, who, who, what he means and who he is to us. But I don't feel like I can completely wrap my arms around it. And God inspired me to, to go look at the Greek word that he uses for perfect. So I went to Esau, and I looked at the verse, and I was looking up all the words that was used in Matthew 5.48. And I got to perfect, and it's a little word called teleos. And I was like, well, that's cool. Now I know the Greek word of it. That didn't take me to where I wanted to be. So I looked up, okay, well, what is the meaning of teleos? And the meaning of teleos is complete. It doesn't say flawless. It doesn't say without blemish. It just says complete. Huh. So I went back to Matthew 5.48, opened it up, read it. Now it's subbed out perfect for complete. And now it says, but you are to be complete, even as the Father in heaven is complete. This to me started to make a little more sense. It started to 
to kind of feel something like I could accomplish. I can't be perfect. I didn't feel like I could be perfect. But when he said, hey, you're to be complete, it felt like, hey, he's given me hope. He's given me something to hang on to. This isn't just him telling me something that I need to be that I can't achieve. So I, I started reading a little more. And then it, it, this week we read Colossians 1.28. We'll pull that one up, 128 and 129. And it says, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them perfect to God, perfect. So I stopped when I read that this week. And I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. There's my word again, perfect. And I was halfway expecting when I looked it up that to be a different Greek word. But I looked it up, and again, perfect was teleos, complete. So I went back and I said, we want to present them to God complete in their relationship to Christ. That's why I struggle, I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I went back and I looked at how many times teleos is used in the Old Testament, and it came up zero. Then I went back and I looked how many times it is used in the New Testament, it comes up like 26 or 30 times. Old Testament, it's not there. New Testament, it's there. You know, there's a big difference between what happens in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament was laws and rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. Adam and Eve had one they couldn't fill. Right? The Israelites, they had ten. As they were being written, they broke them. Literally. Then the Pharisees came along. And they decided, well, we couldn't follow 10, so let's expand it to more than 600, because that makes sense. That's how we want to do it, right? We're going to diversify. That's a, that's a financial term right there. You know, when, when you want to invest your money, you diversify so you're not exposed to risk in all one place. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. And, and the Pharisees thought, hey, if we diversify, if we dilute the laws, then it's going to be easier for us to, to follow. And they, they try to, and from all appearances sake, the Pharisees were perfect, right? And we have that today, too. And it is a struggle. We have Facebook, right? If you go on my Facebook page, it is very perfect. Like, I have the perfect life. I have a perfect house. I have a perfect wife. I have perfect kids that never do anything wrong. I am so proud of them all the time. But that's not the truth, right? Pinterest is busy telling you what how your house should look like. We built a house two years ago. And, and nothing made me sweat more than my wife being on Pinterest. Because I literally was sitting there on the couch looking across, seeing Pinterest being pulled up and seeing her pin stuff. And I'm like, no, pin stuff means cha-ching, cha-ching. And, and, and I told her, I said, no, I don't really like that. You know, how much is that? No, I don't like that. Um, so, so Pinterest is busy telling you what your house should look like. And then you have Instagram. Instagram is busy telling you how you should look like. With the selfies and all that stuff, right? And then you have Snapchat. So if you really don't like how you look on Instagram, you just Snapchat yourself, right? You can, you can make yourself as pretty as you want to. Now, there should be a warning there, too, because you also look like a giraffe or a fox, a trucker. At least I hope it's a trucker. Um, when you, it, Snapchat can make you anything you want to be, right? So we live in this world that's busy telling us, hey, you guys are needing something. Right? And we do. We do. And I like to think that Jesus is actually my Snapchat filter. And I texted that to a friend this week and said, hey, listen, this inspired me. Jesus is our Snapchat filter. 
He doesn't change us just from the outside, which he does, but he actually changes the very fabric of our being. Like he changes us so deeply that nothing can unchange it. You know, what was perfect today wasn't perfect five years ago on, on Facebook or whatever. What, and, and five years from now, we'll all be striving for achieving a whole different level of perfection because of it. You know, what was a whisper to Adam and Eve is a scream to us and to our kids. So we all are, are, are trying to achieve a level of perfection that we will never get. We will never get there. Nobody, I don't care how perfect they look on social media, and nobody's perfect. But what it does, it creates a society now where we're so busy trying to, we're distracted. We're so busy trying to achieve something that we can't achieve. And all the while, God has this, this saying, you are to be complete, even as the Father in heaven is complete. He didn't even say, like, flawless. And we can achieve a state of flawlessness. We can achieve a state of without blemish. And he tells us how we can do it. And it, it's all about Christ. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we get to a state of completeness? Well, I think we can all, all agree that God is three things, right? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I also like to call it the word, the prayer, and just faith. So three things, that's what, that's what God is. And he keeps telling us, you have to believe in us. And he keeps touching our hearts and says, you have to believe in us. But we're really, really good at picking one and being friends with that one. You know, I like Jesus today because Jesus saved me. He paid a price, you know. All morning I was praying to the Holy Spirit. I was like, Holy Spirit, just let it be your words that flow through me. So we're good at, at, at certain times in picking one and following that one, but that's not who God is. God is all three, and we have to embrace all three. If we embrace all three, then we start working towards this completeness. Twelve years ago, I was baptized, which yeah, I was 29 at the time, so now you can do the math and kind of backwards into how old I am today. But I was 29 when I was baptized the first time, and when I was baptized, it didn't take long for God to put on my heart. He says, one day you're going to be teaching my words. Well, I thought he meant like now. Like he thought, I thought instant, right? I mean, because we live in a word, word of instant gratification. So I thought, hey, it's today. And then when it didn't happen, like immediately, I, get, I got disappointed and I got distracted. So I drifted off. Then it didn't take long for him to pull me back in again. And he said, hey, one day you're going to be sharing God's word with me. And then again... When it didn't happen, I got distracted. But what I've learned is every time he pulls me just in a little closer, every time I drift off his path because I lean on my understanding and my wisdom and not on him, he pulls me back in again. And every time I start understanding a little more what certain things mean, like I was listening to Oceans the other day, and it's a song I probably have listened to five million times. And in there it says, take me to a place where there's trust without borders. Well, the other day that one hit me. I started understanding, I'm starting to understand what that means in trusting him in all aspects. But every time he pulls us in a little closer. If we want to be complete with God, we have to love God. You can't love something you don't know. I couldn't love April if I didn't know her. I couldn't love my kids if I didn't know them. Knowing is, comes before loving. We sometimes say, I mean, there's people out there that go, Woo, I love Justin Bieber. Yay. But do they really mean love? I mean, would they lay down their life for Justin Bieber? 
I certainly hope not. But there is that, that's a different level, right? They don't know him, but they say it. Now, I love April. I know April. I know every aspect of it. She loves me. She knows me, every part of me. She knows the, the, the garbage that came with me. But in order to know somebody, you do have to spend time with them. So if we want to know God and we know, want to know all three aspects of who God is, we have to spend time with him. And, and that's, that sometimes is a challenge where we fall short because we think that that means we have to sit down and we have to read, 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 study, study. That's how I reacted to it, right? The more I study, the more I know him, the better I can be, the more perfect I am. Woo, I've achieved it. But it goes beyond just reading his word. We have to read his word, yes. We have to pray, yes. We have to spend time with him. That doesn't necessarily mean praying all the time. Just talk to him. My biggest desire for my kids is for them to come and talk to me. Just talk to me. Whatever. Just, just share with me what's happening. And, and that's what his desire is for us too, is just settle down. Just talk. Just communicate. And like I said earlier, for me, sometimes that's just being in the car, just driving, just talking to him. And then it's having faith and trusting him. Trusting him without borders. That's a tough one for me. That's one where many, many, many days I struggle. This Monday I came back from, I had been on a trip uh, last week. So I had been out of the office Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I came back to the office Monday. And I typically am the first one, that, one of the first ones in the office side that comes in. But the shop side is typically already in there. So my routine is I get in and I start the coffee. Because we all know God loves coffee, right? Well, he proves it because he's put in the Bible, he brews. So we know he loves coffee. He wouldn't have put Hebrews in there if he didn't. So I start the coffee, and I get that going. That's part of the benefit of being the first one in the office is you're the coffee maker. And so I start the coffee up, and then I get out in the shop, and I, I say good morning to the first shift that's, that's already started. And I talk to everybody, and I try to get to know everybody. But there's some people I know better than others. I mean, there's some that have been there for a very long time and have shared some history with me. So those, you know, have, I share a little bit of a more special connection with because I know them, right? So I've spent time with them. I know them. Therefore, I can love them. I know them deeply. So I come around the corner, and we have a lady working on one side of our plant. And I know her very well. She's been with us for years, more than 20 years, I believe now. And as, I, as she turns to see me, I could immediately see, hey, something's not good. Something's off. And sometimes you, 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 you can just tell right away when you know somebody, oh, that, that's not good. So I walk up to her, and I'm like, hey. And she's like, hey. I was like, so how was your weekend? Oh. I was like, everything okay? And she looked at me, and she said, no, you know, not really. Wednesday, I started having a migraine, and I've had a migraine since Wednesday. I'm like, whoa, have you gone to the doctor? And she's like, yeah, but, you know, everything looks fine. It's just I just have a migraine. And as I start engaging in a conversation with her, with her there's this little voice that pops in the back of my head, you know, known, known as God as well. And, and he says, hey, just pray with him. And in my infinite wisdom, I go, shh, not here. This is my place of work. There's people here. And so I, I continue my discussion. He goes, hello. And I said, pray. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. So in my head, I'm having this conversation with God as well, trying to also listen to what she had to tell me. 
But I wrapped up both conversations and told both what they needed to do because, you know, I'm the boss, so I, I get to tell everybody what they need to do. And I walked up to my office and I started working. As I was working, nothing happened. The afternoon came around, I made another walkthrough. And I came around the corner and I, and I saw her again. And I said, hey, any better? And she's like, no. And as soon as I started asking her questions, God came in and he said, I told you to pray. And I told him no. I said, hey, this is my area of expertise. This is not your area. This is my area. Mistake, by the way. You don't ever tell God that you know more than him. But I went home that day, and I was actually half expecting him to have some big revelation moment that night, like telling me to do something. Or, you know, sometimes you just know you've, you've, you should have done something you didn't, and something's going to come out of it. But he didn't. And I went through my evening. Next morning, I'm driving into work, and I saw her truck sitting out in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, hey, she's going to be better today. She's here. She's got to be better, right? I mean, it's been 24 hours. So uh, you know, I walk in, and I make the coffee, go back around. I come back to her area, and she turns. She looks at me. I was like, oh, she's not good. She is not good. For sure she's not good. Something's wrong. I walk up to her, and she says the same thing. Yeah, it's still there. And as soon as I start engaging her and I start asking her, hey, what can I do? What can we do to help you? God comes back in and he goes, just pray. And I'm like, God, listen, we can't do this right now. I said, I've got to wrap up this discussion because i got to head to breakfast with Mark. And that's way more important than praying right now. So I get in the car and I start heading. And this was Tuesday morning. And that's what typically when I have breakfast with Mark. And I get to the railroad tracks in Villarica and... God is starting to tell me, hey, listen, I keep telling you to pray, and you're not doing it. And, and, and I'm telling God, I'm like, I know, but it's my work. And he goes, well, are you ashamed of me? And I'm like, oh, God, no, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of me. It's not you I'm ashamed of. I'm ashamed of what me praying for her will send to all the other employees that are out there. And Michael then was singing, you know, you know, where he goes, walks through walls and he tears down shame. And, and for me, that was what I was struggling with. It was my own shame. It wasn't that I was ashamed of God. It was that I was ashamed of myself. I was ashamed of being called a hypocrite. And we go off and I have breakfast with, with, with Mark. And he, he starts talking to me about, you know, today and what was going on. And I say, hey, listen, we got to stop for a second because something's really bothering me. I said, you know, three times God has told me to pray for this woman and I haven't done it. And, God, and Mark just kind of leans back and goes, so what are you going to do? I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, he tells me to pray. I mean, you know, and now he's done it three times, and now he's really talking to me about it. I don't have a choice. I'm going to have to go back and pray. He's like, you should need to go back and pray for her. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. So after breakfast, I get in my car, drive back. I have my little notepad with me, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to drop off, drop off my notepad first, right? Important things first. So I go up to my office, and I drop it on the desk, and as soon as I drop it, I just hear pray. It wasn't anything elaborate. It was just pray. So I was like, okay, I got it. I got it. And I'm nervous. I think I was almost more nervous walking back out in that shop than I was this morning in first service trying to do this. So I walk out in the shop, and there she is. I could tell she's still hurting. I could still tell she's still in pain. And I walk up to her, and with expectation of healing and restoration, I prayed for her. And as I'm praying for her, God shares with me, he's like, don't worry about her healing, but look at what I'm doing with you right now. You're in the middle of your plant. 
All your employees are around you watching you. Your son is sitting 20 feet behind you. Everybody's paying attention. And you're here, you're praying. And I walked up to Beth, Beth and I said, listen, I failed you three times. Three times God told me to pray for you. As soon as I said I failed you three times, she's thinking, what tool or what did he not do or what was he supposed to do and didn't do? Like she was thinking that I had literally, from a work perspective, failed her. But I walked up to her and I said, I failed you three times. Three times God has told me to pray for you. And three times I just didn't do it. I just ignored him. I just pushed him aside. And I said, listen, if you don't mind, I just want to put my hand on your shoulder and I just want to pray for you right here. And she said, I would love that. And so I'm praying and God is saying, hey, this wasn't just about her healing. This is about your healing. This is about teleos. This is about completeness. I'm bringing you to a state where you can trust me with everything you do. No matter who's looking at you, no matter who's thinking what, no matter what Facebook tells you did you need, no matter what Instagram is telling you you should be looking like, or no matter what Pinterest is telling you you should be buying, what I'm doing right now is bringing you to Telios. I'm reconciling you with me. And I know there's people out here that are struggling, that are really hurt because they feel like they're inadequate. I felt inadequate and unqualified to talk to you guys today. The enemy all week has been telling me, you're not qualified to do that. And every time I rebuked him saying, you know what, I am not qualified, but God is. And he's going to speak through me. And as soon as we start recognizing him for the love that he is, and not for perfect meaning flawless, but perfect meaning complete, then we start getting it. That this is about completeness. It's not about us doing something other than just loving him, knowing him, and spending time with him. So my challenge for you guys this week is, one, read Matthew 5. I believe that's going to be our reading for the next week as well. So read Matthew 5 every day. And when you get to that last part, put in complete. Read it as it is, and then put in complete. And then just pray, God, I just want to be complete with you. Start showing me the way. It may take you six months. It may take you 20 years. Just don't give up hope in him. Because he is there with you every step of the way. And he will take you to places and things and let you see things that you've never seen before. And he can do it. He can bring that completeness in you. But trust him as all three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And recognize all three. So I want to close with a prayer. So let's just all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, we just love you. God, we love your word. We love who you are. We love every aspect of you. God, sometimes we're, mis we're mystified by the words that you give us. But God, we, we lean on your wisdom. We don't lean on ours. We lean on what you know, not what we know. And God, today we just ask for Telios. We just ask that you bring us complete with you. God, every step of the way. And God, when we struggle, when we have things that are coming at us saying you're not perfect, we know that, but we know you are. And we know that all you want for us is to be complete with you. So God, we rebuke anybody that would bring something to us saying, you cannot achieve this. You should be looking like this. You should be having this. And we say, but we do. We have everything. We have teleos. We have completeness with you. Father, we love you with all our hearts. And as we go into this week, we just pray that you protect us, that you keep guiding us, that the Holy Spirit keeps speaking to us. And God, we're so grateful for the grace and the mercy that Jesus brought to us and that we can accept you for everything that you are. God, we love you with all our hearts and we pray this in Jesus' precious name.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 